Hi, my name is Emeka Morello and welcome to Growth is Personal. Each week, I share insights and strategies that will equip you to accelerate your personal and professional growth and bring you conversations that will empower you to thrive in life, career and business. Welcome to today's episode. Now, before I introduce my guest for today's episode, I would like for you to do me a favor. If you listen to this podcast on Apple, please give us a rating and leave a review. I know some of you have reached out to us telling us how much these podcasts have been helpful to you and how you've enjoyed each episode. Now, I need you to do me a favor and rate this podcast and give us a review. This will help our podcast get the visibility it needs. And also, if you listen on Spotify, please be sure to follow this podcast and also share this podcast with a friend or family or your connection. Personal finance can be overwhelming and confusing, but it's an important topic that affects every one of us. Financial stability and security are crucial for achieving your goals and living a happy life. Whether you're saving for retirement, paying off a debt, or just trying to make ends meet, personal finance is something that we all have to think about. On this episode of Growth is Personal, I'll be having a conversation with Rennie where she's going to be breaking down the basics and sharing practical tips for managing your money. Rennie Odentoibo is a content creator and marketing consultant. On her YouTube channel, Exo Rennie, she shares resources about career development and financial literacy and aims to make complex topics simple and accessible. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, welcome once again to Grody's Personal Podcast. Today we're going to be having, we have a special guest. Um, I usually have a special guest and today's a very special guest because I've someone who I've observed uh, for quite a um, period of time since I came to Canada. And um, she has, when it comes to personal finance, um, you, can, you can smell her passion from a mile away. So Rennie, thank you for answering the call when I invited you. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Uh, before I go, in, go into our conversation, you want to do a little bit of introduction um, so that our audience can get to know you. What you do, um, before I begin to talk about our, you know, our conversation, how, how, what, should we understand, what should we know about you to understand your, your journey? Okay. Hi, everyone. I am Rennie. I will call me Rennie the Resort, and I am a content creator who creates content about financial literacy, career development, and lifestyle. Essentially, what that means is I have a YouTube channel and an Instagram page and all the other platforms, and I share resources about those various topics. And as Emeka said, no topic is too small for me. I am essentially here to make complex topics very simple. So I've been doing it for two years at this point. And it's been going really well. I'm a full-time content creator now. So it's my full-time job. I quit my job in October of 2021 to focus on this. What was a passion project now is my full-time job. And yeah, it's been really rewarding for me. And I love to just share knowledge with other people. Great, great. I mean, that, that leads, you know, quite well into our conversation. I'm very curious, you know. Uh, one of the things, uh, you know, do some research and learn a little bit about you. Uh, there's something you said in one of your... I think you're a bar section on your website. You said that you, let's talk about your corporate journey. Um, you left corporate Canada, I think you were corporate Canada for five years, and then you now venture into your content creation and all. What has your corporate journey taught you about, you know, this life of entrepreneurship, of content creation? 
Oh, okay. So for context, before I was working at the Bank of Montreal and I was working in their marketing department and I was working in wealth management. So I was helping ultra high net worth. I was, I was trying to attract ultra high net worth clients to bank at the Bank of Montreal. And I was doing that through creating campaigns and ads and different things on a variety of platforms, including social media. So actually that job really prepared me for this uh, entrepreneurship because I'm essentially doing the same thing I was doing there, but now for myself and not for ultra high net worth people, but for the average person, which I really enjoy. And it, it feels more impactful to me. Instead of helping rich people get super rich, I'm helping the average person gain more wealth for themselves. So it's, it's much more impactful and rewarding for me. Um, it's prepared me because Again, all the skills that I learned about marketing and how to attract new audiences, how to build a community, how to teach people about financial literacy. I learned a lot of it from my corporate job. So I'm very grateful. And a lot of people say they wish they wish they just jumped right into entrepreneurship and they wish they didn't waste that time in corporate Canada or corporate America. But I'm actually very grateful that I learned, first of all, how to deal with tough clients because that was mm-hmm. something I had to deal with. Um, I was helping investment advisors so I was some of the toughest people you will ever work with and uh, again now I deal with tough clients sometimes and I know how to work with them simply because I worked with those investment advisors so I learned a lot of good things from them even things as simple as creating a brief um, when I send my creative briefs to brands that I'm working with like I learned all of that from working at BMO so it gave me a great launch pad before I uh, before I left them (laughs) Great. I mean, I see a lot of their their ads. I think uh, it's uh, the ads is pretty creative uh, when it comes to advertising. So yeah, great one. I I want to talk about you know you, you mentioned something around financial literacy plus some privilege, uh, and this is you you mentioned in your one of your content that you you bought your house at twenty three. Now, and you mentioned some privilege. So I want you to touch about what what's that privilege you're talking about if you if you care to share, but what I'm curious about is because this podcast is centered around personal growth. And I believe that every areas of our life that we see growth oftentimes is a reflection of personal growth, which means that for us to be able to grow financially, uh, there has to be a certain level of growth, you know, as a person, you know, uh, from discipline to being able to commit to certain processes and stuff like that. But talk to us about your financial literacy, how you came about financial literacy Getting your house at 23, the privileges you, you mentioned there. Can you share a little bit more about that? So the privilege I mentioned is because my parents gave me a good leg up by educating me on... Let me start again. Okay. So the privilege that I mentioned, and I always talk about it, is that my parents gave me a good leg up when it came to being financially literate. So when I was four years old, my father and my mother started teaching me about financial literacy. My first ever memory about it is my dad taking me to the bank. My uncle had given me like some money when he came to visit. And you know, most Nigerian parents would just say like, oh, let me hold your money for you, you know. But Mm -hmm. my parents, on the other hand, were like, nope, we're going to open a bank account and you are going to go into that bank and deposit your money in the bank account. Uh, Half of it, half of the money. And then the rest of the money you can, you can uh, save. I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. So we went to the bank and I was so sad, like, oh my gosh, my money is leaving me. Like, I want to, <laughs> I was, I was really upset, but my dad was trying to explain to me the concept of saving part of your money and then, you know, spending the rest of it on whatever you want. So again, I think I had a big leg up because most four-year-olds aren't really being taught those lessons at that age. Yeah. And then 
when I turned 18, my dad started teaching me about credit cards. And usually when you go to university or college or any post-secondary school here in Canada, there are aisles and aisles in the front foyer. There'll be aisle, um, there'll be rows and rows of different banks who are there trying to tell you to sign up for their credit cards. They'll offer you things like, here's a free iPad if you sign up for a credit card. Here is a free whatever if you sign up for a credit card. And thankfully, I had the knowledge before interacting with those people to know that, okay, credit cards are not bad, but there's a proper way to use them. So you have to be, you have to, you have to be conscious about when you actually decide to uh, take them. So that's another level of privilege because most of my friends instead, they went into debt because they thought credit cards were free money, right? So again, on, on my 18th birthday, my dad was like, okay, it's time for you to purchase a stock. So I started investing in the stock market when I was 18 years old. So again, these are all different things that give me a huge leg up over my peers. And it allowed me to purchase my first house at the age of 23. So every two weeks at the age of 18, I had a, I had a part-time job. And I would just buy different stocks, buy different stocks, buy different stocks. And then by the time I was 22 years old, it turned into about $60,000. And then my dad was like, oh, you should go and buy a house. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't really care to, <laughs> to purchase a house. And my dad was like, no, you're going to buy a house. It makes sense right now. Um, let your money grow even more. Hmm. So I went and I bought a house. And by the time I was 23, the house had closed. And yeah, so again, it's a huge level of privilege because none of my friends or the majority of my friends, their parents didn't know anything about money. Or if they did know, they didn't teach them anything about money. And instead, I had the opportunity for my parents to teach me about it from such a young age and actually make sure that I implemented what they taught me. So. Yeah, that's why I say that. I always say I have so much privilege because I would have spent all the money that I used to, <laughs> to purchase that house if my parents hadn't given me that leg up. Wow, this is a this is more like a, a wake up call to a lot of parents, and even me myself. Uh, <laughs> I have a interesting. I have a four year old, so uh, I should start that. Like, I, I know she, I'm giving her the insights a little bit into money, uh, so she knows. For example, we do things like. I could get stuff. I do some some kind of you know flipping kind of thing, and sometimes she, she sees me buy some stuff. She's like, "Daddy, are we are we keeping this? Or are we selling it?" No, she's <laughs> understanding what <laughs> what selling is. Yeah, and, and kids are super get, smart. Yeah, and and they learn, you know. So I think it's it's very important that we don't just. Um, this is a very good conversation because we have a lot of immigrants now in Canada, and you know, raising kids and all of that. But this is something that we tend to ignore for one reason some people some parents are not even aware of this kind of conversation like how how do you want to have a conversation with a four-year-old about money but i think it's very important because it sets them up for for success like because i think when it comes to success in general one area a lot of people lose out on is financial success Definitely. right and 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 it it changes a lot of things you know in a family you know for the things you can even do the leverages you can have when you have financial success so rates one there for for your parent doing that thanks for sharing that okay so now when you i mean your parents you know gave you this insight or taught you about saving and about in, um, investing what were the values you had to you know imbibe or the beliefs because for me i always go back to the roots i always go back to the foundation because i mean there are other parents who would have you know taught uh, or taught their, their kids about savings and investment but they didn't follow through right but you follow through so what 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 would you say are the beliefs that you had to you had to understand about money to be able to get to where you are today um that's a really good question 
One of the beliefs that my dad always taught me was that the belief that money is a tool. So I think a lot of people just think money is like something they spend and it's whatever. But my dad truly believes that money is a tool and that your money should make you more money. That's the, that's the job of your money. So something I has been ingrained in me for such a long time. So I always thought, okay, I'm making this money, but it's not just for me to spend and go buy clothes or whatever. It's for me to then use that money to make more money. So that's a core belief that I think has really changed the way that I think about everything relating to money. I also definitely have an abundance mindset that there is money enough for everybody in this world. And like, I, I think a lot. Uh, on the other hand, a lot of people have a scarcity mindset where they think that all they have is all they can get. But my dad and my parents always encouraged me to have an abundance mindset. There's always more money for their, for, uh, out there in the world and it's capable of being yours. So you need to invest into things so that you can then get more money, not just hold it and hoard it so that uh, thinking that this is all I can ever get because then more money won't come to you. And then mm. a, one last belief or core value that I have is freedom. The value of money being a tool to help me become more free and have financial freedom. So I... And to me, freedom means the ability to choose. So I can choose whether I want to work a corporate job or not. I can choose whether I want to travel or not. I can choose all of these things. And that's a core belief. So I use money as a way to help me achieve that freedom. Yeah, those are three uh, core values or beliefs that I have related hmm. to money. Hmm. I mean, let's talk about abundance mindset because we hear a lot about that abundance mindset and scarcity mindset. But bringing it to in practical terms, what what would you say were the the indicator that you have an abundance mindset, or is this something that you had to train yourself into? You know, because some of these things, you know, we can say mindset, abundance mindset. What exactly is that, and how do you see that apply in your your life? Yeah, so a scarcity mindset for everyone who's listening would be a mindset that leads to believe that there are limited opportunities for you and limited resources available in the world for you. Whereas an abundance mindset would tell you that there are enough resources and success for us all to share. And uh, there's no limit to what can be yours. So I would say I have an abundance mindset. And what that, what that looks like in my life is, for example, me sharing a lot of the things that I share online, like that's literally the definition of abundance because a lot of people, especially in the Nigerian community, I think we're very we keep our successes close to us because we don't want people to, I don't know, replicate them or we don't want people to take them away from us. But I truly believe that, like, if I believe in God, why, why can this random person be taking my opportunities away from me, right? So mm. I think that is a clear indication that I have an abundance mindset. And I've been sharing, even before I got paid for, uh, to create content or anything like that, I have always been someone who shares and gives on to others. Like, I'm the type of person, oh, I just got a job and uh, this is how I pitched. Uh, this is how I reached out to the recruiter. Here, take this exact same script and reach out to the recruiter as well. Like that's always been the type of person that I am. So I think that has always attracted even more good things into my life. Like, um, and then on the other hand, I would say, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> on the other hand, I would say that when it comes to jobs, for example, I was always willing to, I think a lot of people are scared that they're going to lose their job. Or they're, they're, how would I describe it? They they don't apply for new opportunities because they're comfortable where they are and they're 
scared of what may be out there. But me, on the other hand, like when I was working in corporate, every single year I had a new job, like literally every single year, <laughs> because mm. I was always trying to see what more is out there, because I truly believe that there are, there are so many opportunities out there for us. And we don't need to have a scarcity mindset. I'm never afraid to leave a situation that I'm in and move on to a, something else because, uh, because I, I, I don't think it benefits anyone to, to play scared. I think we should always face our fear and then and go forward from there. That's powerful. I mean, you said something very key there. You said, so the indicator for abundance is the, the ability to take, to even take risk and yes. have that belief that there's something out there for you, right? Because that's very, that's very important because what we find is that, you know, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion as well too that, you know, and I think it applies to abundance mindset. If you're somewhere that is not and I think a lot of people go through this process where because they feel like when they go out there, there, will, there won't be that opportunity. Now, this one they have, they have to hold on to it, even if it's not serving them, if it is yeah. not, if, if it's not working for them, but they will just hold on to what they have. So I think that the, what you're saying here is that the indicator of abundance mindset is the willingness to jump, like exactly. even when you, even when you don't feel ready, right? Exactly. Exactly. And. You see it, I honestly, I think I practice it in every single aspect of my, my life. And it's always served me right. Like you may be scared now to make that jump, but there is always more out there for you. And if you trust in God, especially like there are always more opportunities that are coming your way. Obviously you take calculated risks. You're not just jumping mm -hmm. for jumping's sake, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot out there in this huge, huge world for us. Great. I want to even touch more on this again. So when you... You know, because oftentimes you probably would take that, you know, take that risk and you don't get a result. So what keeps you going when you don't even see the manifestation or the result of abundance mindset in the short term? How, how do you keep going? Uh, I think that I have a very long term view when it comes to everything. So I know that the successes that I have today are not because of what I did yesterday, but it's because of what I did two years ago that the, I was laying the foundation. So I think I always have that mindset that, okay, I may not see the results in one month, in two months, in three months, but going forward, um, it will come. And when you're in that moment, it's because of your larger vision, that's what will keep you going. So because I had a vision of being a resource to lots of people, it wasn't, even though maybe the first few months, I didn't see huge growth on my channel, I knew that I'm still going to create impact and long-term all of these, all of these choices are aligned with my long-term vision. So soon one day it will come to fruition. It may not be happening now, but one day. So I think having a long-term view will definitely help you stay motivated and also maybe not focusing on the numbers initially will help you keep motivated. Um, and also one thing I do is I track my growth month over month. So I have this thing called a Tadalis and I've had it since 2018. And I track the little wins that I make over a weekly, daily, monthly basis. And it's really a note in my iPhone notes app. And it's just like, today I was reached out to by this brand. Today this happened. Today this happened. And that helps me stay motivated because I know that although it may not be a huge win, there are so many small incremental changes that are getting me closer to my goal. So I always suggest to everybody, like, start a Tada list. And if you follow me on Instagram, every month I share my Tada list and then the uh, the wins of other people that are following me. And it's very inspirational to see that, okay, these little things are adding up and then eventually it'll become something big. Mm. Tracking your wins and even the small wins. I think that is also, so that leads into my next question around habits. 
because I, I think that a lot of things that you, you see today, the life that you're living today is a result of habits, like the things that you had to you know, constantly do until it became a habit. Now, one of the things you've mentioned now is the ability to be able to track your success or track your wins, even though it's little. What other habits did you have to embrace in this journey that has helped you stay on track and that's helped you, you know, get some, some sort of um, success? Hmm. I think the overarching thing would be discipline. I have a lot of discipline. I may not have motivation. So like, hmm. I don't want, I may not want to go <laughs> to get out of bed. I may not want to work out every morning, but I have the discipline to know that like, this is, this is the thing that's going to drive, uh, to bring me to, you know, um, the next stage that I want to get to. So for example, setting my morning routine is a habit that I've done. So every single morning I wake up, I do my devotion, I work out, I do my journaling, and then I plan my day out. So that's my morning routine. And I do it every single day. And that's a habit that helps me just get in the mindset to actually achieve what I want to achieve for the day. So that would be an example of, of something I do. Again, I don't have motivation. I rarely, I rarely have <laughs> a lot of motivation. But I do have that discipline. And I think everyone should try and uh, increase their level of discipline that they have. Uh, and discipline shows that you believe in yourself. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it's it's something that everyone should try and tap into. I really recommend reading the book Atomic Habits. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you, you probably heard of it or read it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, habit stacking is is a real thing, and it it definitely helps you achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Yeah. I even have a journal that I fill out every day that has I check off the habits that I've done, and obviously I try to do them five days a week at least. Mm. Yeah. discipline over motivation because a lot of times oh, we we wait for motivation uh and some there was a saying that you know if you wait for motivation oftentimes you you get to do nothing but sometimes you <laughs> have to be disciplined to know that this has to be done and and then motivation will catch up with you like <laughs> exactly. yeah like that's that's uh that's what happens so we're dwelling on a little bit about you know money and because I think it's important when it comes to personal growth. Some people say, oh, no, let's not talk about money. But I think it's very important because, you know, money gives you options. Money gives you leverage. Let's talk about the common mistakes that people make with money. And you've, dealt with, you've worked with a lot of um, people, advised people. Um, but what are the common mistakes that you've observed in your journey that people tend to make that is keeping them stuck? So one mistake I see often is people's money mindset is all wrong. As we talked, we spoke about the abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. Um, that's something like everyone should unlearn. If you have a scarcity mindset, you kind of need to unlearn it. But the main thing is I see people telling themselves that they're not good with money. And mm. they, they, they inherently believe that they're not good with money. So if you believe that you're not good with money, there's no way that you will ever be good with money because you truly believe it and, and all your habits will will flow out of that. So mm. one thing I, I work on with people that I, I speak to is I tell them, first thing you need to do is understand what your money mindset is and then unlearn all the things that, <laughs> that you currently know about money. You Instead of seeing money as a burden, some people see it as a burden, some people think that they're not good at, with it, some people see it as something that has no value and they spend recklessly we need to we need to develop a more healthy money mindset so that's a big um, mistake i don't know if it's a mistake because it's just how it's just what it, it is what it is it's mm -hmm. what we're born with and it's a it's a compilation of all the things that will that went into our upbringing 
like if you observed your mom saying that she's no good with money then you know you then think you then internalize it and uh, think you're not good with money but it's something that we need to identify and then unlearn when we are ready to take it to the next level with our money that would be one mistake that I often will make another mistake would be people thinking that they're too they don't make enough money to start saving to start investing to start doing anything to even start budgeting like people think oh I still work you know a minimum wage job there's no need for me to start investing there's no need for me to budget even budgeting at least budget you know at that point at least budget but um I started when I was 18 years old I started investing in the stock market I was working at Payless at the time so Payless shoe store and I was making nine dollars an hour so basically nothing (laughs) and and I was putting away $200 biweekly into a savings, an investing account, and then buying stocks from there. So I was buying Shopify back in that time. Shopify was about $200 each. So I could literally buy one share of Shopify every two weeks. And I kept doing that. By the time I was 22, as I said, those Shopify shares were about $1,000 each or $1,200 each. So imagine that $200 share I bought grew to $1,200 and I bought a lot of them. So that's how I was able to purchase my house. So I always tell people that story to tell them that like, it, it's never too early to start. If you can't afford to put 10% of your income away each month, eventually that will grow. And putting something away is better than putting nothing away. So, yeah. Hmm. And that speaks to the, the, the compound effect of money and timing. Cause you know, people want to see quick returns, want to see quick wins. And but that leads you that little thing you take outside every month. And I, I mean, there's something you, you did some time ago. I think you also shared it recently about a saving a saving plan where you, you can make you can save five thousand uh, dollars a year and ten thousand and all of that. Was that something that you created or is something that existed already? And what, what kind of feedback have you gotten from that that process? And how how can people stay disciplined to to make that happen? Yeah, so these savings plans have always existed. Like, I don't think I'm, I, I think I definitely did not create the idea of a savings plan, but I just made it into a way that I think was aesthetically pleasing and will get the attention of people. So I used my brand colors. I designed it really nicely with the designer and then I released them. Uh, this is actually how I got really into saving money because I started a, I think I saw one on Pinterest when I was like in 19 or 20. And I was like, oh, that's, you only need to put away $200 biweekly in order to save $5,000 a year. I can do that. And then I, I started doing it, right? So um, I when I became a content creator, I was like, let me create my own. Let me make them from $1,000 all the way to $50,000 so that everybody can join in. And then you can join along the journey. So yeah, I didn't create them, but I created my own version of them. So they're accessible to people of any income level. And the way that they work is it breaks down your total goal into biweekly or monthly or semi-monthly payments. So if you make, if, if you want to save $5,000 a year and you get paid every two weeks, then that's 26 pay periods in the year, which is about $200 per pay period that you need to put into a savings account. And the way to make this effective is to automate your savings. So if you can, instead of, you every two weeks having to transfer the money from your checking account to your savings account instead of doing that i would urge you to automate the transfer so call up your bank and tell them that every day on payday every 
payday, you want the money to automatically be transferred from your checking account to your savings account, checking account to your investing account, checking account to your student loan, whatever, whatever the goal is that you're trying to achieve, make sure that you automate it so you can take all human error out of it. Humans, we're filled with errors. That's that is it. <laughs> but if we can take all human error out of it, then you're more likely to uh, reach your goals. And also setting smart goals. So it's one thing to say, I want to save five thousand dollars this year. That's a great goal. But where, how often? Uh, what are you saving for? Where are you saving this money? Um, and all these different questions are what you need to ask. So a more detailed goal would be, I want to save five thousand dollars in one year. To achieve this, I am going to be sending two hundred dollars biweekly into my EQ Bank high interest savings account. And I am going to be using this money for a vacation fund at the end of the year. That would be a way more detailed goal. And it allows you to, it's like you have actionable steps that can help you achieve the goal. And then, of course, my savings plans are the way that you're able to track your progress month, week over week. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So I want yeah. to talk about, <laughs> this is a very, you know, important, they, they, they look so simple, but they're, they're, they can change, they can change your life. Like, Imagine you, before you receive your paycheck and at the end of the year, you have nothing to show for it, but now being able to save. I remember when um, I was, you know, doing my youth service and my girlfriend then, who's now my wife, had a saving plan. She's, she's, a, she's, a, she's passionate about personal finance, you know, and she follows you as well. And she said, you know, can we just, you know, she had this idea of, you know, saving with a group um, that we save a certain amount and we're receiving our stipend from, you know, the government. And also from you know where we're doing our, our, our primary assignment, and she brought up this plan. I never knew like okay, let's let's do it. And guess what? Some people finished youth service had nothing to show for it, but those of us who were in that group, some of us saved as much as sixty thousand naira. And back then it was it was a lot. You know, I got a laptop then. My first laptop was through that process. Wow. But so it's is it and it would just lead to you know just making a discipline and uh, you know putting something aside. And that little drop when I was able to make, you know, help me get a laptop. So I think it's something that people need to really, you know, take seriously. So you had something you started recently, and that was where you helped 100 people save over $935,000, right? So I want to, for me, that was like, okay, talk to me, talk to us about how you came up with the idea. Um, I know that is not new because you probably have done something else before <laughs> when it comes to personal finance. But how did you come about the idea of you know hundred people? How did you get to how did you get to get you know get them to be in that same space where they could save that amount of money? Um, or what were the steps that you took to be able to get you know hundred people to to join you on that on that journey? Yeah. So in 2021, I posted my savings plans for the first time. And a lot of people kept up with it, but I think during summertime, you know, when you're outside enjoying life here in Canada, you kind of fall off from your goals. So because that was happening, um, people told me, okay, we need an accountability group. Like I need to be able to, I need someone like you to keep me accountable and basically be a drill sergeant keeping me accountable to my goals. So I said, okay, let's, let's try it. And I started a group and it launched on January 1st of 2022. So from January 1st to December 31st, we had a group on Facebook of 100 people and begin the challenge. They all had to set their goal and say what they're going to achieve uh, over the year, set their smart goals, tell me which account they're investing in. And then 
or saving in. And then every two weeks, they had to send a screenshot of how much they had saved or invested or paid down in debt. So every two weeks, we would check in on them or however often they got paid. And they would say, okay, I have saved X number of dollars. And they would actually send a screenshot of, their, of them transferring the money from one account to another. Of course, technically, that person could have spent them, like they could transfer it and, and then technically go spend it elsewhere. But the majority of people told me that they were so, this is the first time they've ever saved in their life because they were actually had someone keeping them accountable to the goal that they set for themselves. So yeah, it's, it went really well. We saved and invested over $935,000 uh, last year. And this year we are going again for a second time. So I have about 115 people in the group this year. And we are, saved, I think the goal currently is 1.6 million, but not everyone has posted what their goal is. So it's around 1.6 million. Oftentimes during the pro process, people lose their jobs, people have emergencies and all these things. But the good thing is that people can fall back on the money that they have now saved, which they probably wouldn't have had before. So someone, for example, had a emergency where their pet got injured or something along those lines. And, you know, that bills can be extremely expensive, a few thousand dollars. So instead of having to pay from her credit card to and going into debt for that, she instead had the savings already and she could just pay it off. So she may not have had that $10,000 in her, her account at the end of the year to show whatever, but at least she didn't go in debt for the emergency that she had. So, hmm. yeah, it was a really successful year. We share resources five days a week about different topics. This month's topic is budgeting and banking. We share the best bank accounts in Canada. We share budget templates, how to start budgeting, and all these different things that will uh, help people achieve their goal. Hmm. Is it is it a paid is it a paid group? It is a paid group. So it's five dollars a month, so pretty low. Uh, sixty dollars total. Sixty dollars total for the year, and about one hundred and fifteen people are in it right now. But it wow. is closed, unfortunately. If anyone wants I, to register, <laughs> are we done? That's affordable for anything. Like that's not even a, anything. Exactly. <laughs> but that what you're doing is a great is a great one because you know that accountability is what a lot of people need, and you know being able to help them do that that's that's awesome. But talk to me about your you know you're helping people. What are the challenges you have faced? You know in all of these processes that keeps you consistent. You know to bring up these ideas to help you because I know you probably have had some challenges that would have you know, made you want to just, you know, quit and just focus on your content creation with, with clients. But what were the challenges that you were facing? I mean, for someone who, you know, wants to go on the same journey or wants to just start something um, that would help people, what, what, what are the challenges you faced and uh, how have you been able to overcome these challenges to keep going? So challenges with my accountability group or challenges with my content creation? Um, for, for, for both. So con Content creation, which is your your day to day, your your main thing, and then accountability group for something that is a side project. Let's talk about content creation, for example. How have you been able to stay consistent over the years to constantly, you know, get clients and develop content? What were the challenges you faced, and how have you been able to overcome those challenges? Because it's tough. Like content creation is is not small work. Like not even the little that I do, I know. <laughs> I know what it's involved. Like, you know, for example, you have a podcast, you record, you have to edit, you have videos. How do you, what are the challenges you faced and uh, how we've been able to overcome them? Um, 
what are the challenges that I face? I feel like most of the challenges are related to like my, so if I'm going through something in my personal life, for example, and then now having to keep showing up on camera, if you're not happy and you, you have to be in front of a camera, it's kind of hard, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like if I was working at the bank still, I would probably just take a vacation day or two or three or a week, whatever I needed and then recoup. But when you're self-employed, it's very hard to, like you can take a week off, but you're not getting paid for that week off. So <laughs> that's mm. something that is a bit of a challenge for me, learning how to like manage my personal life issues that may happen with my professional life which have kind of become because they're kind of they have kind of become intertwined at this point um some other issues i guess sometimes you don't see growth instantly so that can be a little demotivating but again if you have the long-term view then you know that growth is coming um i don't know i feel like another issue that you i face is invoices that go unpaid or they're late they're late to pay them so that's kind of frustrating when you are a self-employed person. All your income can be based on these like two, three clients that you currently have. And if they are taking weeks to pay your invoice, that uh, <laughs> it's very disheartening. And if you're banking on that money, you it's 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 hard to to cope with that. Those are a few of the the challenges that I've had. But overall, it's been honestly a very positive experience. And um, yeah, so mm. I'm excited for the rest of the. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you were to give, because uh, what, what the reason I'm asking is, I, I, for someone who you want to go on this content creation journey, because the, the the future is content, um, and I think even if you're working in a corporate, whatever you do, you you you're create you're going to create content, and even if you don't create create content, you, you know, to to stay relevant. I mean, there was a I think you had uh, something a while ago about LinkedIn, and you had. Uh, I don't know if it was you that hosted the show, someone who hosted you, where you share um, ideas about people getting a job and using LinkedIn. But one of the things I noticed, you know, in what you share was the fact that people have to show up and be able to create content around the things that they do, you know, so that they're more visible, you know, with recruiters. So talk to us about, you know, you, how did you come up with uh, Randy's resource? and Right now you have, I, I can't remember the last time I counted your followers on YouTube, but what were the challenges you faced that if you're to advise someone who's going to start a YouTube page, for example, um, what would you say that person should put into consideration? When, if you're about to start a YouTube channel now, I would say consistency is key and you will see months that... <laughs> that you don't see any growth or maybe you see even negative <laughs> you've seen uh negative growth but consistency is key and one thing you need to remember is that your your family and your friends are not your target market because i think when people start creating content they get discouraged because maybe their 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 cousins their family their siblings their parents aren't sharing their their posts and commenting on their posts they're not they don't seem supportive right and then you get discouraged but you should remember that you have a bigger vision and your friends and your family are not your, your target market. They do not have to like your content. They do not have to support your content. Of course, it's nice when they do. Like it's, it's, it's incredibly nice and I value all my friends to share my content, but I don't hold it against anyone who doesn't share my content. So a lot, a lot of the new content creators I speak to, they're like, why isn't anyone sharing my content? Yeah, and I'm like, listen, these people, ignore them for now. You need to be your own biggest cheerleader, especially mm -hmm. when you're first starting off. Even to this day, I have a lot, um, 
60,000 subscribers across all of my platforms. And like, I still, I'm the one sharing my video on all platforms. If you see my video, you'll see it on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, literally every single platform. So I would encourage you to do the same thing if you are about to start your your content creation journey. Um, Also, I think you should figure out what value you add to people because when you add value to people, then they want to continue to support you. So try to think, what is my uh, my value proposition? How can I be different from everybody else who's in this niche? And also remember that like there's only one you, so that is part of your value proposition. So make sure you're enhancing your personality, showcase who you are as a person because that's really what people are there to see. Anyone could talk about financial literacy. Literally anything, anybody could talk about financial literacy, but a lot of people like my personality and um, that's, that's a lot of the reason why they are still consuming my content. Hmm. You brought up something that is very key when it comes to, uh, I, I think it's you've built your brand to the point where you have a voice when it comes to financial literacy in Canada. And it takes, it, takes a, it takes a long time to do that. But when it comes to finding your voice, right? Uh, I think you, probably, you found yours in financial literacy and uh, you know, career development. What would you say is the defining moment that made you realize that this is something that you, you want to do and you want to go all the way? Mm. I think that's the defining a, moment. I don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, you started, you, you, I mean, you had a journey from when your, your dad started, you know, teaching you about finances and stuff. But there's probably a moment where you realize that, hey, this is something like, Rather than just me doing myself and investing, but it's something I, I cannot become a voice in this area and begin to help people. So what was that moment that made you realize that you can take this thing full time? Was, um, was it the money? The money started coming in? Yeah, it was, was actually it the money. It was actually the money. <laughs> so I got to like, I th- there was one month that I made, I think it was June 2021. I made like $3,000. And after that, I was like, well, time to quit my job. <laughs> Uh, mind you, I still live at home. Uh, it was from YouTube and from like, um, what's it called? Affiliate income that I get. Right. So I work with a lot of brands, and every time someone would sign up for their product, I would get a commission from that. So I have, it's been pretty profitable. And yeah, I made three thousand dollars in June twenty twenty one, and I was like, well, this is this is my sign to quit my job. <laughs> um, obviously, I live at home as so I live with my parents, so that helps greatly and then I also don't have children so that was obviously it helped me to leave and my logic was like if not now then when should I wait till I have kids that then like it's much harder to leave a stable job because you know you have dependents so mm-hmm. yeah I just was like I think this is a chance to leave I did not leave until October actually because I still had a bit of fear in me and I still yeah I don't know I just had some fear but at the end of the day I was like, let me choose me. And if it doesn't work out, then I can always go get another job, which was, was good. So, hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that, that defining moment, you know, yours, yeah, it was fine. It was money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay if it's just, if it's money, and you, you know at that point that you could make, you know, so, enough beyond what an employer can pay you. And, and this is something you're passionate about. But, is this something that this passion has to do with this? Like, did you find that you were passionate about this and that uh, you wanted to go all, all in? Yeah, I am super passionate about it. I think 
what some of the comments that I receive really make sure that because entrepreneurship is not easy I just want everyone to know that like it's actually I think it's way easier to have a nine to five <laughs> uh, and maybe one day I'll I'll be back in nine to five but uh, for now I'm, I'm good with the, the difficulties but um, I I'm very passionate about it and people message me things like I was able to purchase my first house because of you or I didn't even know about investing because of you and now I have a portfolio worth $10,000 or different things like that and that's really what keeps me going and makes me like super passionate about this I want to encourage more black people to continue to invest because again our white counterparts their parents are probably teaching them how to invest their parents are teaching about credit cards their parents are teaching about some of all this so they have a leg up on us but if I can be the person who acts as you know, your, their parents and teach them the skills that that my parents taught me it, it's really a, a blessing and an honor to use my gifts that uh, this way so yeah I'm, I'm extremely passionate about it if I wasn't I would already be back in my life <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about vulnerability because I think uh, uh, when it comes to you know this journey of content creation, there's sometimes you have to share some personal things and all um, to to kind of pass your message. How how did you get to that point where or does vulnerability play in your journey? Like, I, are there times where you had to you know accept the fact that you know um, I have to share just because you know I, I feel it's going to make an impact, even though it's going to open up open me up to some, you know, maybe criticism or questions and stuff like that. Talk about vulnerability in your journey. Um, when it comes to finances, I feel like I'm just a very open person in general. So, like, I don't care just saying how much I'm, I make each year, saying how much is in my portfolio. I have videos and all that. So, like, that's, to me, it's not even vulnerable, even though my parents think it's extremely vulnerable. To me, it's just like, whatever. <laughs> um for my career development content, same thing. It's just I'm very open about those things. But for my lifestyle content, I started sharing more about like a relationship that I was in previously and um, some lessons I learned from being in a relationship. So I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if I see it as vulnerability or just like sharing my life. <laughs> like To me, it's, it's, it's a way to help me share the lessons that I've learned with other people. Uh, again, I think I... A lot of people don't have, I, I just like, I like to help people. So anything that I can share about my life that I've learned so that other people don't have to make the same mistake is what I like to do. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. But is that something, is that something you have um, that you think plays a key role in the successes you've had, or you think that it's, it's not really worth it? No, it's definitely, I think it's definitely worth it. People, so again, as I said, people, anybody could make financial literacy content or lifestyle content or career development content, but what they're there for is you. And the, the way that they actually connect to you is because you have been open with them and open them to a, a part of your life. Of course, you don't have to show them everything about you. You don't have to talk about your deepest, darkest secrets, but Letting people in is definitely a good way to continue to build trust with your community and with your audience. Because if they don't know anything about you, why should why should they trust you at all? So yeah, I definitely I would say that if you are a content creator and you're listening, then definitely include some vulnerability into your content. It will it will benefit your audience and you as well. Yeah, and it makes business sense as well, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk now. Let's go to your 
personal growth, um, what were the things that you had to do to stay informed, to be to keep abreast with the information that are out there, to be able to help your audience? How do you how do you ensure that you are always improving as a person to be able to be in a position to help others? Mm, um, I do a lot of reading and learn, <laughs> like. Last year, I read, I think, 33 or 32 books. And my goal was just to, like, continue. (laughs) And most of them are personal finance books. Wow. uh, Just so I can continue to increase my knowledge on those topics. And just so I'm speaking from a place of authority or, like, I'm I'm not just speaking based on my own experiences, but also, like, I'm cross-checking with other experts in the field. And I'm also, this year, planning to take my, or to study for the CSC, Canadian Securities course. So essentially just, again, another way to gain more knowledge about this topic. It's what all the investment advisors have to take before they become an investment advisor. All the financial advisors have to take this course. So I think taking that course will give me a lot of knowledge that I can then use and share with my audience. I also have things like Google Alerts on my phone. So anytime the Google Alert is for personal finance and then any personal finance articles, they come directly to my phone and then I I read them just so I'm knowledgeable on the, the top news that's happening in my field but yeah i'm someone who's very dedicated to self-improvement and self-development reading is my main form of of learning for sure okay what, what would you say, say to that person who because f- from what you're saying you are kind of the person who learn on the road so like i call it the education of the road where you start and then you learn along the way but you have some people or you have people who wait you they have for example someone could say oh i don't think i can share anything on personal finance now until i get a certification mm-hmm. what would you say to that person now because it, you know you have been on this journey sharing your experiences right and so what advice we give to that person and what value does that add um to you as a person whereby you don't have to wait to get certification before you begin to share things yeah, the advice I would give to anyone who is looking to share but feels like they don't have the qualifications to share is that people don't always want a, what would I call it? A textbook. perfect person, like textbook person, you know? They they want somebody who is similar to them. So seeing somebody who's currently $50,000 in debt and is working to repay that debt and is now learning about personal finance, that is a mu- like that's a great a much better story than somebody who never had any debt and is now teaching you how to repay debt like what do they <laughs> what what do they know if they've never been in debt right so mm-hmm. i say no matter where you are on your journey your your experience is extremely valuable and there will be somebody who can resonate with your experience because there are more people like you than than you even think so don't mm-hmm. wait to get those certifications you don't need, you actually don't need them in my opinion i know that Nigerians love certifications and degrees and, you know, but you actually don't need it to share your experience. And you don't have to share from a place of you need to do this. You need to do this. Uh, listen to me because I know everything. Don't share like that. I don't even share like that. I share as like, this is what I do. You can try it if you want to try it. Like, this, I, I'm never telling someone they have to do anything because I'm not an expert on everything. I can only speak from my own lived experiences. And if you relate to it and you think it's you can apply it to your life and great okay if you had to share three 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 things that helps you um, generate content ideas what would they be number one is the news so 
Well, actually, let me go in order of the one that informs most. So the, the, the one that informs my content strategy most is my audience. My audience, oh my God, my DMs are full every single day. <laughs> like I, I literally book off time in my day to check my DMs because if I continue to check throughout the day, it's just overwhelming. So right. I'll say like, this is my 30 minutes to check, to read through all my DMs and respond to them. And what that does is I get so many questions in my DMs about different topics. People will ask me, about lines of credit people ask me about this people ask me that and if one or two people three people four people are asking about a topic typically others have that same question they just haven't reached out to you so i put that in my notes app and i say okay this is another video idea that i will use to create a new video so my audience definitely informs like most of 90 percent of my content i would say my audience informs then there are things in the news that come up so current events that come up for example or uh, one would be, for example, the tax-free savings account that just launched, or sorry, the tax-free savings account just gave us $6,500 of new contribution room on January 1st. That's an example of some content that I can, I can post about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like the different seasons that we're going through and uh, basically looking at the calendar, like November is financial literacy month. So all throughout November, I was posting fin- like strictly financial literacy content throughout that month. Uh, in summer, it's wedding season. So I posted a few episodes about weddings and how to budget for your wedding and, and different things like that. Uh, uh, April and, and yeah, April will be tax time. So, you know, that's when I'll start posting about that. So it's basically a mixture of looking at my audience, looking at the news, and then looking at the calendar to see what's going on right now. Great. Let's talk about your podcast. I know <laughs> you, I like the, t- the, the title. I think, um, what's Don't the, what's Go Broke Trying. Don't go broke trying. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. How did you come about that, and what has been the journey um, with Don't Go Broke Trying? So the way I came up with my podcast was I had been on YouTube for about two years at that time, and yeah, exactly two years at that time. And I again, I talk a lot from my own personal point of view, but there are some topics that I just stayed away from. For example, debt repayments because I had never been in debt. So I was like, why should I talk about debt repayment on the, on this channel? Of course, I can still talk about it, but I wanted, I thought it would be more impactful to bring people on and share their lived experiences. Okay. That's where the podcast came from, where people were going to share their own lived experiences and teach us all how to not go broke trying to do X, Y, Z. So I have an episode, don't go broke trying to have a wedding. Don't go broke trying to open a credit card. Don't go broke trying to start a business. All of these different topics. And I interview experts, not experts. I interview everyday people about how they went broke and how we can avoid going broke. So, for example, I interviewed someone who has who went $70,000 in debt. And now she has a, a five-figure portfolio, investing portfolio. She's investing for her children. Um, and all these different things so she her journey is super impact like it's very first of all motivating to my audience because they can see somebody who's actually been through it and is now on the other side and also informative because she can tell her the actual steps she used to get out of the situation that she was in that's why i started the podcast and it started in april of 2022 but yeah it's like it's Seven months old, something yeah. eight months old, nine months old. Yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah, it's phenomenal. Like what well. you're doing. It's you. the, the title itself, you know. Now I understand why you stop at trying so that you can be other things. At least it's exactly. trying this, trying that. Because I, I just went, it was, it, 
don't grow up trying to trying to look rich or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be another episode actually. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Don't go broke trying to look rich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before I wrap things up, I want to ask this question around twenty twenty three. What would be your advice to to someone who is going through some financial issues and stuff like that, or basically, how do you ensure that you prepare for any uncertainty that comes up in the market today like what are the things that you advise you would give to someone personal advice you know from your own perspective on how to stay um, financially free so we're going into a recession or maybe i don't know we're already in this recession so to <laughs> uh, to prepare your finances for 2023 and the turbulent market that it's looking like the first thing i would do is start budgeting if you have not started budgeting a lot of people have zero budget, so they have zero clue on what goes into their account each month and what goes out of their account each month. That would be my first suggestion. I think this is the basics of personal finance. You need to know how much money is coming into your account each month and how much money is going out of it each month. When I first started a budget, I realized I spent entirely too much money on food. I spent so much money eating out every month. And then once I got a budget, I could just I could basically track how much I was spending and then once I was getting to that point where it's too much, I would just cook at home <laughs> for the rest of the month. So uh, I would encourage everybody to first get a handle on what's going into your account each month and then what's going out of it each month. After that, then I would say start an emergency fund. So if you're an emergency fund for everyone who doesn't know is a account, a savings account or a sinking fund that you have that you put money into and you basically account for three to six months worth of expenses. So if you were, for example, to lose your job, God forbid, then you have money to rely on instead of having to go into debt. And I think every single person should build up their emergency fund. If you spend $4,000 a month to live at all your basic expenses, uh, your essential expenses, then keep 12000 to however much money into your in an account. So just in case you lose your job, then you can dip into that money and get it. And again, this will prepare you for financial uncertainty because we are in a market that is very, we, nobody knows what's happening next. Interest rates are rising. Uh, people are losing jobs. Layoffs are happening every day. So you want to have that account and it provides you the peace of mind to know that, okay, even if something happens to me, I have this, you know, that I can rely on. Hmm. And then another thing, the last thing I would say is try to increase your income as much as possible. I'm not telling you to jump dip from your job and move on to another job, but there are like so many different streams of income that you can consider. And I would really implore you to to look into other other forms of income because yeah, there's it's it's necessary in this yeah. economy as well yeah. to not just rely on one form of income, but to have multiple. Multiple income. Yeah. Great, great. So I used to ask my my guests the final three questions. Number one, and you can answer it in one word, or you can expatiate on that word. What are the What are your biggest regrets when in your financial journey? If you had to If you had to highlight your one of your top biggest regrets, what would that be? <laughs> you have one, just one. Okay, one. Yeah. Um, not investing more money into Shopify, <laughs> or yeah. actually, or not buying a house before. Not buying multiple houses before COVID, that would be a regret that I would have because the market has gone nuts since COVID happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So mm. that would be 
to regret. <laughs> Not yeah. that I had the money to buy multiple houses, but if I did, I would have loved to have bought multiple houses. houses. Yeah. Okay. Who are your role models that have influenced you on this journey, on this financial journey? Mm. Actually, maybe two. Like my content creation journey or my personal finance? Journey? Personal finance. Mm, my parents. And, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's someone named Bala Shukumbi. She is a personal finance content creator. She's actually the first time I started budgeting was because of her. So she's been a personal finance content creator before before there were ever personal finance con- before it was a thing to be a personal yeah, that, finance content creator. And then rings a bell, I think. Yeah, she she runs Clever Girl Finance. And yeah, she is am- amazing. So I would say she and my parents are the my inspiration inspiration okay so if you are to start all over again what are the three things you would do differently when it comes to your content creation or your personal journey personal finance journey personal finance journey i would start budgeting earlier than i started because again i didn't know how much money was coming into my account how much money was coming out of my account um with my content creation journey i would can I start earlier? Is that <laughs> like I would start earlier than I started? I think like the earlier you start, the better in content creation because you know time time is is the biggest factor. Um, what else would I do different? I think everything's done so well that like I don't know what I would do. Different. Oh, maybe outsource tasks earlier uh, because you can scale easier when you outsource tasks. So like my mailing list, I outsource to somebody to create it my podcast uh set up and everything in my studio and everything now i have outsourced those things so i would say outsourcing earlier would be something i would do because it allows you to scale faster but yeah over other than that like things have been good they've been pretty good great great wow thank you so much rennie uh, for being on the show today it was uh was an enlightening conversation and i think there's a lot to unpack from what you've what you've shared and if you were to connect with you, um, if your audience were to connect with you, what's the best way? I know you. I know you're pretty popular, so <laughs> <laughs> what would be the best way to connect with you? Maybe just say it. Yeah, if you want to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok, or on Twitter at xoreni. That's x o r e n i, and you can also check out my re- website at renitheresource.com. And lastly, you can check out my podcast, which season two will be coming out shortly. And uh, it's called Don't Go Broke Trying. You can find it on all podcast platforms and on Instagram and TikTok as well. Great. You do videos for your podcast. Do you, do they, do you invite your guests over to studio? Yeah. So, so far, I have not done any virtual interviews because everyone comes here to my studio. Maybe in future seasons, but I really like the the connection that you can have when you're talking to someone in person. Yeah. And they are they all in Canada, Canada or are they? Yeah, so far they've all been in Canada. When I was in Nigeria this past uh, few months ago, I wanted to record, but it just didn't work out. Didn't work out. <laughs> but yeah, so far everyone's been in Canada. So far. Great, great. Thank you so much, Rennie. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the on the show today. Um, hopefully, when next we invite you, I know there's there's still a lot to to unpack. Um in when it comes to personal finance i hope that you'll be able to show up for us yes, all right I definitely will. thank you so much for having me here yeah you're welcome thank you for listening to today's episode if you love this episode share it with your friends on facebook instagram or linkedin if you haven't already done so 
hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes and give us a rating. This will help our podcast get more visibility to those who don't know about this podcast. Remember, your growth is personal. No one is responsible for your personal growth but you. Stay blessed.